with mythical Aryan forebears. He planned a huge archaeological collection at Wevelsburg to make it part of SS indoctrination. The placing of the sunwheel and the swastika in the general's hall and the vault below show how he drew power from ancient symbols and incorporated them into the very core of Nazi ideology. And just as he saw those prehistoric monuments as evidence of a new order, of a new race arisen, so he saw his new world as one where the only gods were the gods of the Nazis, the gods they themselves had become. Nobody knows how close Himmler may have come to realizing his dream, and what artifacts may have been brought there. Deep within the castle lay another chamber, Himmler's private vault. But when American soldiers captured Wevelsburg in 1945, they found it empty its contents unknown and seemingly lost forever to history. One artifact might have been at Wevelsburg, an artifact of extraordinary power that could have unlocked the greatest obsession of all, the dream of the lost civilization of Atlantis and of Atlantis reborn. Then, as dawn first glimmered from the horizon, rose a dark cloud, and Adad, the storm god, was raging within it. Then Nergal, god of plague and war, wrenched out the boat's mooring poles. Ninurta, god of the earth, made the dams overflow. And the Anunnaki, dread gods of the underworld, their torches brandished, shriveled the land with their flames. Desolation from Adad spread over the sky, and all that had been bright was turned into darkness. Like a bull he charged the land, he shattered the land like a vessel of clay. For a day the raging winds flattened the land, and then came the flood. Like a tide of war it swept over the people. A brother could not distinguish his brother. From heaven the people were not to be seen. For six days and seven nights it raged, the wind, the storm, the flood. It flattened the land. On the seventh day the wind abated, the storm that had ravaged the land like a war, the sea was lulled, the gale was spent, the flood ended. I looked on the day, and all sound was stilled, all the people had turned to clay. All around me the waters were flat like the roof of a house. Then I opened a hatchway in the boat, and on my cheek streamed the sunlight, I bowed down and wept, my cheeks overflowing with tears. I gazed into the distance, to the furthest bounds of the ocean, and saw land arising. On the mountain of Nizir, the boat ran aground. The mountain of Nizir held the boat fast and would not release it. I brought an offering and made a sacrifice, and I poured a libation on the peak of the mountain, so it was that the gods took me and caused me to dwell in this place at the ends of the earth. The words of Utanapishtim to Gilgamesh from Tablet 11 of He Who Saw the Deep, the Babylonian version of the Epic of Gilgamesh, late 2nd millennium BC Akkadian, but derived from a story first written down in Sumerian in the 3rd millennium BC and probably originating millennia earlier. of Uta Napishtim.
The man gripped the edge of the boat and squinted at the western horizon, trying to see past the blinding glare of the sun. Earlier, he had sensed a flickering in the sky, a strange smell in the air, but he no longer knew whether it was real or a dream after weeks of wallowing in this weed-choked sea. He tensed his hands and heaved himself up, then leaned over the side and stared into the depths. His knuckles were raw and bleeding from sunburn and salt, but he no longer felt the pain. Ever since they had been marooned in this windless sea, he had taken to staring down, pulling his tattered leopard-skin cape over his head to shade the water, letting it form a cover that had stiffened with the salt. The sea was deep blue, and he could see far down to where blue became black. He glimpsed flashes of silver and sparkles of light. He knew that something was down there.